been uh, for the last few weeks in a series called Shift, Shift, Changing for Impact, Shift, Changing for Impact. And if I could let you in on a little secret, I'm not even really quite sure uh, how long this series is going to be because I keep getting stuff and keep uh, hearing words from the Lord to share uh, with you all each and every week. And so we're going to keep rolling with it uh, until the Lord says to stop. So, uh, so this week we will be launching from a letter uh, that is familiar to us, of course, for this year, um, from the letter of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, beginning in chapter 3 at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, we'll be reading from the English Standard uh, Version today, so it may sound different uh, than the version you have before you, but as it comes up on your screen, we invite you to, to stop the pause and to read along with us as we share in the scripture from Ephesians chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 14. <clears throat> there you'll find these words, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath, the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 This is the word of the Lord. We pray it finds a place deep in your hearts today. Uh, listen, for the time that we have together today, I like to tag this text with the topic, a prayer for power, a prayer for power, a prayer for power. As we entered into 2021, there was a clear direction that God had given for our church in this season. That direction is simply known as our theme for this year, which is to believe bigger. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, which has been our focus text for this theme, says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, for the glory of the church in Christ Jesus our Lord through all generations. This is a scripture that provides for us both challenge and conviction, encouragement and empowerment for us to stretch our faith beyond what is comfortable and believe that God will do even bigger than we could ever fathom or dream. This indeed is what faith is all about. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. It is seeing that which isn't as though it were. It is having a vision that believes that there is no limit to what God can do in us, for us, and most importantly, through us. And as I thought about our focus scripture for this year uh, and the potential of even revisiting it for this homecoming celebration weekend and what it means to have faith, I began to wonder what happens if the power at work in us feels like it's not as strong as it used to be. 
what happens when our faith wanes and our hope is diminished? What happens when all we have in, have is the evidence of what we consistently see and our vision becomes cloudy in hopes that you will be liberated enough to admit this to God and yourself. I will transparently say to y'all, I've struggled with Paul's phrase in Ephesians 3 that says, according to the power that is at work within us, y'all, because there have been some challenging days that have caused me to question if there was any power at work in me at all. Yeah, I know it's hard to hear the preacher say that. It's hard to hear the pastor say that, but y'all, we, we struggle too there. There have been some moments of hopelessness that have crowded my ability to see rightly and to hear clearly. And even if my own admission of seasons of faltering faith doesn't allow you to admit it today, I would dare suggest that many of us have faced challenge, the challenge of moments where detachment, depression, despair, and disappointment have all crept in trying to wrestle for control over our lives. And while these moments or seasons can push us to the brink of throwing in the towel of walking away of throwing up our hands and leaving things for others to handle what is really required of us in these times is for us to check our power source in fact i would dare suggest that we can reach the we can reach these the, these moments uh, when we have become too dependent on our own power Living for God, expanding the kingdom of God, and learning to believe bigger can only be done effectively when leaning into a power that is beyond us. This is what God told uh, the people through the prophet Zechariah, that it's not by might nor by natural power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the reality is that the only thing that will last is that which finds its source in the power of God. We can give our best efforts, but it's only what we do by the power of Christ that will last. If I would dare say that uh, we, in fact, need more power. We can never get enough of God's power. And y'all, this has been my prayer even more intensely during this season that God will empower us as a church and as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ in ways that we cannot imagine or fathom. And perhaps it is this idea of power that Paul raises in the text that has so gripped me, particularly in light of the season of transition, upheaval, uncertainty, and change in which we are living. Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus is unique as compared to the other letters that are part of the biblical canon. It's, it's not like the letters such as the ones to Corinth and Galatia where Paul is seeking to address specific issues within a specific context. It's different than the letters to the churches in Rome and Philippi which have the fingerprints of personal encouragement and appreciation. It's not as intimately directed as the pastoral letters to Timothy, Titus, or Philemon, the Ephesian letter reads as a framework for addressing the implications of following Christ. While it raises specific issues, y'all, they are not unique to the faith community at Ephesus. They are practiced, the practical issues addressed weren't issues of living in Ephesus. They were issues uh, common to the life of a follower of Jesus Christ in any place and in any context. And it would seem that as Paul was seeking to help the church at Ephesus, he presented what could be considered a large vision for what life in Christ is in theoretical information and practical application. 
Uh, even the arrangement of the book would seem to support this understanding uh, of this particular letter. Chapters 1 through 3 address what God has done for us. And chapters 4 through 6 deal with how God's action in us should impact the way we live. Paul celebrates uh, the blessings of the gift of being God's chosen in chapter one, then calls for spiritual maturity and unity to be the order of the day in chapter four. He raises that we are God's handiwork in chapter two, then calls for this identity to manifest in our family, in our work relationships in ch at the ends of chapter four into chapter five. He celebrates the grace of God by which we are saved and the great mystery of Christ which is being revealed then calls for us to lean into these things by putting on our spiritual armor to preserve what God has done in us and it would seem that right at the hinge point of his letter as he is about to transition from discussing what God has done to how we should allow it to impact our lives that he submits this prayer on behalf of the church at Ephesus and perhaps on behalf of all believers this prayer that centers on the power that will be needed to manifest the work that God has done in the in the on the inside in all areas of our lives so Paul begins in verse 14 he says for this reason I kneel before the father from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name Paul's prayer focus in the verses that follow are a response to what he has elaborated on up to this point in the letter. He has celebrated the greatness of God's grace as seen through new life in, in Christ. He has lifted the unity that has come between the Jews and the Gentiles through Christ. He has allotted the wonderful purposes of God that have allowed him to be used as a carrier of the great message of the gospel. And it is for this season, uh, for this reason rather that he kneels before God to petition on behalf of God's people. He was so transformed and so moved and so motivated by what had been revealed to him by God that it moved him to get down on his knees and pray for this church that they would be empowered to understand and to live in the fullness of God. Paul prays for the empowerment of the church uh, towards specific ends in our text that ought to carry us and sustain us and keep us in the days ahead and it is this prayer that I believe today can help us to reorient us when the load of life gets too heavy and overwhelming so what then is the kind of power that Paul's prayer reveals that we need today uh, the first kind of power that Paul reveals that we need is that we need the power of spiritual strength we need the power of spiritual strength check the text in verse 16 Paul writes I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith Paul begins his prayer request on behalf of the Ephesians with this petition for spiritual strength notice the text he desires that God would strengthen them with the Holy Spirit on, the, on the, their inner being. Paul is not concerned, y'all, with some external show of force. He knows what is needed for them to follow Christ in their everyday lives <clears throat> is a supernatural power that only comes from the Spirit of God. Y'all, the good news is, at the moment we receive Christ as the Lord, we receive his Holy Spirit. 
the presence of the Spirit is the evidence of salvation, but it is the power of the Spirit that enables us to live our Christian lives. In fact, without the active power of the Spirit operating and leading and guiding us, we aren't able to do it and live for Christ effectively. 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, as branches without sap, like, and like coals without fire, we are useless. I believe, y'all, he had it right. A Christian can't do anything without the Spirit of God, and a Christian ought not want to do anything without the Spirit of God. And perhaps we have too many folks claiming Christ with no desire to live spirit-filled and spirit-led lives. Y'all, to give you a picture of what a spiritual strength is like, spiritual strength, y'all, is like a glove. It's like a glove. To have a glove by itself, it can't do anything. A glove, if you have a glove, a glove that you use to work in the garden or to clean, uh, clean around the house, if you have that glove that you use to keep your hands warm in the wintertime, you can look at that glove sitting on the table and it can't do anything. It's just a piece of material that is shaped like a hand. But the moment we put Put our hand in the glove it becomes something that is active and able to get things done it couldn't do by just being the glove by itself what we realize is that the glove really isn't doing anything it's our hand on the inside of the glove that is making the glove work it doesn't matter how great the glove is it doesn't matter the material the glove is made of it doesn't matter what the glove is meant to do it's only as good as the hand that's inside of it and that's the way it is for our lives without the spiritual strength of God we might look like we are doing something because of our external appearance appearance but the truth is that our lives without the spirit of God in on the inside powering us doesn't amount to anything it's not until the spirit fills our inner being and gets active and activated in our lives that we discover what it truly means to live and I know that many of us have been in church our whole lives I know that a few of us have been doing some things in the community and working actively to change the world and make it a better place but the truth is y'all that uh, that, uh, that we've all we've been if all we've been doing is being in church is being in church if all we've been doing uh, is working in the community we've just been working in the community we have to let the spirit of God that was given to us have control over our lives we can read all we want we can pray all we want we can sing all we want we can serve all we want we can march and protest and advocate all we want we can preach all we want but it doesn't matter if what we do is empowered by the spirit of God and if we want to be the to want the church to be all that the church to be, if all that the church needs to be, if we want our lives to be all that God has uh, given us potential to be, then we need churches that are filled with the Spirit of God. We need people that are filled with the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit that changes us. It's the Spirit that transforms us. It's the Spirit that heals us. And it's the Spirit that empowers 
us. We need the Spirit of God to live. We need the Spirit of God to serve. We need the Spirit of God to go to work and deal with folks there. We need the Spirit of God to go home and deal with our family. We need the Spirit of God to come and work and serve as a part of the community of faith. We need the Spirit of God as we seek to make our city and our country and our world a better place. We need the Spirit of God and our daily prayer ought to be Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Make me and break me. Mold me and fill me. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on my life. Fall fresh on my family. Fall fresh in my marriage. Fall fresh in my church. Fall fresh in my community. Fall fresh on my job. Because if we are going to live lives that honor God, if we're going to make it through this next season as a church and as a people, we have to, if we're going to make it from one day to the next without losing our mind, we need more of the spirit of God. And you ought to put it in the comments right now. God, give me more of your spirit in my life. We got to have the power of spiritual strength. But also Paul continues in chapter three to say that we have to have the power to understand the love of Christ. Y'all, in the second part of verse 17, Paul continues. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. Paul, Paul deeply desires for the people at Ephesus to understand that it is the express love of Christ on which their new lives have been built. It's important to note here that Paul wants us to recognize that we are the objects of Christ's love. Paul uses two images to describe how integral love, the love of Christ is for us. First, he says that he desires that we would be rooted in love. This word points to the world of plants. And in order for plants to grow healthy, they must have roots that get deep down into the soil to get the nutrients that keep it growing. The roots also provide stability for the plants. So every time you see the winds blowing and the trees swaying but not breaking, it's because of the network of roots that is a stabilizing force for the trees that we see above ground. The deeper the roots go, the more stable the support and the more the capacity there is for nourishment. And if we were honest with ourselves, we could readily admit that there are too many of us uh, Christians. There are too many uh, even churches that are dealing with instability and unhealthy cultures because the root system of our church isn't deep enough to provide the right amount of stability and nourishment. But y'all, that ought not be us. That ought not be this church. That ought not be the testimony of our lives. You want to know how to keep going and keep growing regardless of the changing circumstances that you might face. You have to shoot your roots down into the soil of Christ's love for us. You have to be nourished by the amazingly lavish ways that Christ loves us. This is what the psalmist was talking about when he said that we should be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters whose leaves are always green and who bear 
fruit in their season. This is what Jesus meant in John chapter 15 when he said, abide in me and I will abide in you and you will produce fruit as long as you stay connected to the true vine. Paul also says in the text that we not only should we be rooted in love, but we should be grounded in love. We should be grounded in love. Yes, this is a word that is used in the world of architecture that relates to the foundation on which something is built. The most important part of a building is the foundation because the foundation supports everything else. If the foundation of the building isn't right, it is almost guaranteed that everything else in the building will have issues. I would even suggest that some of the challenges that we face in our churches and in our lives is because we've been building on faulty foundations that don't support who we are or who or what we claim to be. Uh, Y'all, the hymn writer, I think, said it best. I don't got to say a whole lot here. Uh, the hymn writer said it best that the church's one foundation, the church's only foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. It's not the history of the church. It's not the leadership of the church. It's not the membership of the church. And we ought not ever forget that the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. We ought not ever go a day without remembering that the foundation for our lives of faith is the love of Jesus Christ. And it's the love of Christ that that has, that Christ has for us that provides us with a firm foundation. Understanding the love of Christ is key because it connects to our identity in Christ. Uh, learning, the, learning and knowing the dimensions of Christ's love for us changes the way we see ourselves. When you begin to grab hold of how much Jesus loves you, it changes how you see yourself and it changes how you see everyone else. Because if Jesus loves me in such an amazing way, then surely he must he must feel uh, much the same about everyone else. One of the most important points that Paul raises is together with all the Lord's holy people. We must remember that Paul is not writing to just an individual person, but he's writing to an entire faith community. In other words, he is saying that understanding the love of Christ is connecting is connected with how we engage in the context of community. Sure, Christ comes into our individual lives to save us but the expression of our life change and our spiritual growth doesn't fully happen and operate in isolation we grow fully in our understanding of Christ's love for us in the context of community in fact the enemy wants you to get to, wants to get you by yourself because it's easier to snuff out a single spark than it is to quench a, a larger fire we ought to keep showing up and keep serving and keep loving and keep doing life together so that we can have a fuller understanding of the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Paul challenges us to experience the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Do you really know how much Jesus loves you? It doesn't matter what you have done in your life. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter who you voted for. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter what physical disabilities or imperfections 
complexions you might have. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. Jesus loves you. Gay or straight, drug dealer or drug addict, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves all of the you, even the you that the church folks think that he doesn't. In fact, Paul said it best in Romans chapter 8. He said, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. So you might as well lean into his love and allow it to transform your life. Listen, you ought to type in the comments right now. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Yes, Paul points out that we need the power of spiritual strength. We need the power to understand uh, the love of God in Christ Jesus. And finally, we need the power to reach completeness in God. Paul says in verse 19, Paul says in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Paul's prayer has continued to build with spiritual, uh, with spiritual strength flowing into love, which now leads to being made complete in God. Note the text that says that love surpasses knowledge. What we think we know about the whole of God's love is really only part of God's love. It works in ways that we don't understand. It does things that we can't explain. It changes what we think is unchangeable. It penetrates what we believe is impenetrable. The reality of the text is that we won't be, be always be able to understand the depth, the width, and the breadth of Christ's love for us. But we can experience this love, be filled and refilled with it, uh, and made complete by it. And I would, be, and I believe the scripture would argue that uh, God desires for us to reach this place of completeness with him uh, in fact this was one of Jesus's prayers in John chapter 17 you ought to go read it sometime Jesus prays to the father as he prepares to head off to the cross he says he prays that we would be one uh, and as he and the father are one the oneness that Jesus prays for comes as a result of being so connected and so filled with God that you can't tell the difference from when one begins and the other ends this means, y'all, that we have to measure ourselves, not according to the standards of others around us, but to the standard of God in Christ Jesus. And it's this standard of Jesus that helps us to raise our own level of spiritual maturity, uh, spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. It's the standard of Jesus that helps us to increase our compassion and our empathy. It's the standard of Jesus that compels us to raise our voices against it's injustice and inequality. It's this standard that teaches us to speak with the boldness, uh, to uh, speak truth to power. It's this standard of Jesus that stabilizes us in the midst of chaos and uncertainty. And the 
more we commit to following Jesus, the more we will see his character show up in our lives. The more we commit ourselves to reading and studying the example of Jesus Christ, the more we will find ourselves not just saying what Jesus said, but doing what Jesus did. And we will have the complete, we will experience more and more completeness in being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we won't have to chase after the world's power to feel secure, but we'll find security in the divine power that's found in Jesus Christ. And the more that we are shaped in the image of Christ, the more God's spirit can flow through our lives because our completeness in Christ increases our capacity for God to move in our lives. God's power works according to the power at work within us. That's what it says around that uh, around uh, verse uh, 20 and 21 of Ephesians chapter 3 uh, that God's power works according to the power that's at work within us. So if we want to see God move, if we want to see God do something different in our lives and in our churches and in our communities and in our families and in our world, then we need to increase our power capacity by following the patterns of the one who has granted us access to all power. And y'all know I'm going to cut across the field right here because you know how he did it. You know Jesus died to set us free. You know Jesus got up on an old rugged cross. The semblance, the symbol of a suffering and shame. That old cross that we love. He died. They hung him high and they stretched him wide, put nails in his hands and his feet. And for you and for me, he died. He died to liberate us. But y'all early on that third day morning, Jesus got up with all power in his hands. That's what he told the disciples in Matthew 28 and verses 19 and 20. He says, all power has been given unto me. And then he commissions them to go. And I believe that it's this fact that Jesus has all power, that he's granted us access to this amazing and divine power that Paul can close his prayer in the way that he does in verses 20 and 21, where he says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly more than all we can ask or think or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. That's how Paul closed his prayer. And this is how I'm going to close my sermon. Because uh, just like Paul, I'm praying for us today. I'm praying for the power of spiritual strength to show up in your life. I'm praying that you would begin to understand the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that it would bring you to completeness in God. I'm praying that God's love would overtake you. I pray that God's grace would overwhelm you. I pray that God's mercy would cover you. I pray that God's spirit would surround you. I pray that God's anointing would saturate you. I pray that God's strength would stabilize you. I pray that God's wisdom would guide you. I pray that God's word will live in you. But more than that, I pray that God's power would overflow in you and through you. Because when God's power flows in you, there's no telling what God can do through you. That's right. There's no limit to what God can do. And there's no limit to what God can do through you. The only limit is you. So I dare you today to take the limits off, to let God's power rule, to let God's power reign. And our declaration can be to him be glory in the church, 
To him be glory in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Oh, man. And you want to type it in the comments right now. God, I need your power. God, I need your power. I need your power. If we're going to do this thing, if we're going to live this Christian life, if we're going to walk this faith journey, I need your power. I need your spirit. I need your strength. If we're going to believe bigger, we need more of God's power. This is just a (laughs) re-up. We just stop back by the text to remind ourselves of what we need in order to believe bigger. As we go forward and doing the work that the Lord has called us to do. Come on, won't you pray with me? God, we thank you for this prayer that Paul leaves us in this text in Ephesians that helps us to recognize what we need, the kind of power that we need to operate our lives in. God, the power of spiritual strength, power of understanding your love for us, the power of moving to completeness in you. So God, today, it's our hope that we are reminded and reoriented to what it is and who it is that we find our power in. That even when our power runs out in ourselves, that we can make sure that we're checking that we're plugged into the right power source. Because our power is limited, but God, your power is limitless. So today, God, help us to do a double check. And if we need to, to unplug and replug ourselves into your power source that your will might be done through our lives. God, today we're praying for some man, woman, boy, or girl who may be watching this today and they realize that they've been living in their own power. They've been trying to do this thing called life uh, on their own without any outside source of power and nourishment. God, we're praying today that they would decide to connect their lives to you, connect their lives to you through Jesus Christ. God, that the words of this sermon, the words of this text would resonate in their spirit and their soul, that your spirit would urge them, continue to push them and nudge them towards saying yes to you. God, we're praying for one who needs to reconnect and recommit their lives to you, God, that they need to get reconnected to the right source. God, today we're praying that they would rededicate themselves to walking alongside you, to allowing you to guide and conform their lives, to allowing allowing you to expose them to the greatness of your love, the greatness of your spiritual power. God, today we're praying for one that might desire to connect their lives with what you're up to here at TMCBC, God. We know that you are working and doing amazing things through our church, God, but you have more for us. God, and we believe that you are sending us the people that we need to accomplish your will here in the world. So, God, we're praying that if that person is watching today, that they will decide to say yes to joining and partnering with our church and ministry. God, help us as we go into this next week. Help us, God, keep our minds focused on you. Be with us, guide us, and lead us. Just in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen.